Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Another edition of the Bootleg Keb Podcast. Checked in, man. Uh, listen, shout out to everybody who is rocking with us. Uh, appreciate it. About to get into episode number 14. That's right, number 14. Um, dope episode today with the good homies Demrick and Dizzy Wright, who put out a fire-ass uh, joint project together. Dizzy Wright's been a good friend of mine for a very long time. I'm currently voicing this in Phoenix, Arizona. Sitting in a living room with dogs uh, in my parents' house. Um, shout out to our sponsors. Got a shout out to uh, Vaping. Make sure you hit up VapingCBD.com. That's VapingCBD.com. Use the keyword bootleg Kev on there. And you can check out with 20% off at VapingCBD.com. And of course, our presenting sponsor, Odd Socks. Go to OddSocksOfficial.com. The most comfortable socks in the world. Don't listen. Don't listen to me. Listen to Gashi. All right. That's what he's saying. Um, you can go to OddSocksOfficial.com. Get you a pair of socks. Get you a mask. They got everything you need over there, all right? And uh, crazy licenses on their socks. All right, talk about Breaking Bad, uh, Nickelodeon, Mike Tyson. I mean, it goes on and on and on. When you go to oddsocksofficial.com, use the keyword bootleg, Kevin, you'll get 20% off your purchase price. Real quick, want to shout out to Big Sean and Hit Boy for putting out an incredible body of work, Detroit 2. There will be... Something special coming for anyone who's uh, a fan of that album on the Bootleg Cat Podcast in the next week or so. So shout out to Big Sean, shout out to Hit Boy, Detroit 2. Um, let's get into today's episode, Dizzy Wright and Demrick. I've been knowing Dizzy Wright since he was Dizzy D Flashy in Vegas before he was on Funk Volume. I met Dizzy Wright for the first time at a talent show at Chic Shoes at the Boulevard Mall in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, me and him have had a great relationship over the years. Um, been a big supporter from his, uh, from the jump. And I'm um, happy to talk to him. And, of course, my guy, Demrick, who's been doing his thing. That guy's like a utility knife, man. He's he's always working, um, you know, doing serial killer projects, on the road with Be Real, 
doing stuff with Dizzy, doing his solo stuff, doing his stuff with DJ Hop and Stony Point. So we have a nice discussion um, with Dizzy Wright and Demrick, episode number 14 of the Bootleg Cat Podcast. Let's get into it. Bootleg Cat Podcast. We got two special guests. This is the first time we've had multiple guests on the Bootleg Cat Podcast. Two close friends of mine. They just got a, a, a incredible body of work that they dropped. Was it last month? Almost two months ago now, right? Mid-June, right? Yeah. Blaze with us, too. Demerick, let's get that mic a little closer to your mouth. Pause. Okay, cool. Oh, pause. <laughs> <Good> pause. <laughs> anyway, what's up, guys? Peace, bro. What up, brother? Thank you for having us. Bro. Of course, man. You guys are fam. Um, I was telling Demerick this the other day, like, this is a, a great body of work. Thank you, bro. Yeah, thanks. Now, you guys went through Smokers Club. Shout out to the homie Johnny Shipes, like, uh, that was kind of I know that that's, that's kind of like a new offshoot of like what cinematic does what is like what was the motivation behind like working with smokers club for this project besides the fact that both of you guys are degenerate stoners well I've been a fan of uh smokers club for a long time I always wanted to be a part of their festivals back they had in the great day. tours and shit yeah, yeah they had a bunch of things going on back in the day um and when I found out that they wanted to start releasing music, I thought it would be dope to just kind of mix what we got going on with what they got going on because they're on the East Coast, we're right. out here on the West Coast. So we thought it could be a dope blend. And then you guys creatively, I mean, when you when you broke away from Funk Volume, or when everyone broke away from Funk Volume, rather, and you started still moving, Demrick was, I want to say, the first artist you announced, right? Yeah. As a part of the crew. Um what is like your guys's relationship your guys's friendship you guys have made so much music together i think a lot of fans just automatically associate you guys together like um it's got to be super easy to just like knock out a project right it's just like probably natural like i feel like we tour we spent a lot of time like out on the road together and we just kind of picked up the habit of just you know getting off the tour bus on uh, days off and rent studios so we could smoke and chill and make music. And I feel like once we got into the studios and we started making music, we like, first off, this shit is fire and it's really easy to create. Facts. That's fair. It's almost like I, I got the vibe of like Method Man and Red Man Blackout, like the new era of that with this. You know what I'm saying? Like it just had that energy. You know what I'm saying? That's the vibe we was going for. Yeah. You know? When Funk Volume was still going, I was trying to get Demrick signed to Funk Volume. So that was kind of like one of the last things that I was trying to do before the label dismantled. So, you know, just going over into still moving, was it was kind of already happening that way. So the vibe was already there. We was already vibing off of each other. So being able to bring it back for a second time, that that's just purely being on the road, being inspired, looking at how the fans were responding to the first one. Mm -hmm. Hey man, it's been four years. Maybe we could give him another one, you know. And that's kind of that's kind of the motivation. I wanted to talk to you guys about like each one of you guys have storied independent careers. Um, like Demrick, obviously. I think the first time I met you, you were B Real's hype man. This was like in '09 in Boise, Idaho. And they, I think Busy Bone was supposed to be on the show, but he was super late. Yeah, and he ended up not showing up. Um, yeah. By the way, wild busy bone story to share with you about that night. Because I ended up having to pick him up for the airport later and we did like a little offshoot like show across the street. It was that guy's interesting to say the least. Yeah. Um <laughs> But obviously you have a storied independent career. Dizzy, like I remember being in Vegas and when you were Dizzy D flashy and you know, you kinda had like the youth like turned up in Vegas and you know, uh 
then you transitioning from that to Dizzy Ride and doing smoke out conversations and your funk volume run. Um, how how are you guys able to like sustain what's going on with the COVID shit, not being able to go on the road? Like, what are some of the ways you guys are 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 are, are I guess innovating to kind of keep keep bread coming in on the music shit? Because I feel like a lot of people who don't who are artists who might not necessarily have uh, be the smartest with their money probably are like having a rough time right now. Cause you know, a lot of artists depend on that bag. You know what I'm saying? To hit to, to you oh, know, yeah. the if back. You burnt, if you burnt through the bag and, and you was, you was uh, planning on other tours coming right up, you might be in a bad spot right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think uh, for me, it's just about getting consistent. You know, it's, it, as far as like, Always going, you know, doing a project and going out on the road, doing two tours and then coming back and getting something else together and just kind of like keeping the process going. You know, I realized that the battle's really won in the studio. So it's about locking into the studio and seeing what I could create there now that I have more time on my hands, you know, to just take out, take away the road, shit, double up, double down. Double what about down you, Dizzy? Like, obviously, you got your store that's going, like, you got a lot of other shit going on, but like, I do feel like. You've you've done a really good job of like navigating the indie game throughout your career, and even like since the funk volume shit kind of went away, because I know that was still independent per se. But like, I feel like you've done a great job of like building, like monetizing your brand independently since since that had kind of gone away. You know what I'm saying? Like, what 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 are the things that you would kind of give pointers to artists who are watching this? Like, it, even fuck the COVID shit, put that to the side. Just like being independent. Like, what are the things you think that that you might, might might see other artists making mistakes with that you might have learned from, even ma- mistakes that you might have made that you learned from. Yeah, hundred percent. Actually, me and Dimmick had a conversation last night that kind of like um, relates to this question a little bit, and it's like having a balance of knowing when you're doing something for your soul and knowing when you're doing something for the bag, you know. And um, all the bags ain't worth going to get. All the bags ain't going to be good for your soul. And some of the things that's good for your soul ain't going to give you a really good bag. So you got to have that balance on being able to figure out, you know, what keeps you going, what keeps you driving, like what keeps the wheels turning, really. And for me, it's always, you know, of course, creating music. I'm always planning ahead. So I'm always, that's the one thing that the COVID shit kind of did to me. It, it kind of prevented me from being able to plan ahead, which I wasn't, I haven't been used to that ever since I got in the game and I've been navigating. I'm always thinking three steps ahead, right. you know, so I'm never running into that that time period and kind of looking around and figuring out like what I need to do, but more just like, you know, having a plan in place. So when I get there, you know, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. So for me, it's just really about like, um, creating the music side of things and um, and use, utilizing this time to work with different artists and be inspired by um, different artists. And, you know, we're all on different levels, so it could be somebody bigger that can inspire you, somebody smaller that can inspire you. But, you know, figuring out that hunger, finding that hunger and running with it. I wanted to ask you, Dizzy, because you had like a, there was a stretch, right, where you were on the Freshman cover and the funk volume shit seemed to be doing very well because the Warner situation had happened and your album, I think you were the only, were you the only person who ended up putting an album out through Warner officially? Or did one of Hobson's album come out? I think one of Hobson's came out too. Um, 
And by the way, Warner dropped the ball on your album because I remember I couldn't find it at Best Buy. Yeah, they did. I was trying to go buy like buy out Best Buy, and they I was did. like, bro, what the fuck? They like, did. <laughs> and the I remember code, hitting Lee Hero like, bro. Yeah, the coldest part is that they told me that it was gonna be a real rollout. Right. Like it was gonna be. In, I wouldn't even have told people they could get it at Best Buy if you know they didn't gas me up. But you know, it's just trials and tribulations that but you. I, I wanted to ask labels. you, man, because like, I feel like there was. There's a you know at a you were I remember I think the the I, I want to say the last time I might have saw you live uh, was with Logic in Orlando, whatever tour that was, whatever Logic tour that was. Was that for his second album? I think Under Pressure. For his first album, yeah. Um, but I'm curious, like, but, no, I was, was on incredible the, the Incredible. It was the true second story. Album. Yeah, yeah the incredible, yeah. incredible true story. Um, but I'm curious, man, because like you've obviously done records with some of the biggest artists in the world, and like with the funk volume thing imploding, and then you having to kind of figure this out for yourself moving forward. I'm sure you could have, at 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 that point in time, probably gotten a deal if you wanted one, and and did the major label thing, yeah. which would have been new to you, kind of right. But you decided to kind of just hunker down and and stick to the independent shit. Like why why that as opposed to you know trying to go get a deal with Atlantic or whoever the fuck? Yeah, cause I uh, like I don't have I, sometimes I feel like I don't have the same desires as some of these other artists. Like I didn't really want it all too fast. Uh, getting it all too fast kind of makes me nervous. Uh, I grew up with the bare minimum, so I feel like I know how to maneuver off of what feels to me like a lot right now. Even in the independent game, I feel like the love, the traveling, the being able to create the music, it's what I want to do. Being able to work with different artists and like having a range, a wide range of like uh, sounds that I can tap in with different people. And I, I just feel like this is what I wanted, you know? It, it don't, it's not as glamorous from the outside right. looking in, but you know, I make good money, I own my masters, you know, I'm intact with my soul, my spirit, you know, and I do what I want, you know, I can move at my own pace. Like if something is, if something don't feel right, I could pull the plug, you know, but I can also take chances, you know, I can like, I like being in control of when I can, when I wanna like maybe take a chance, go out on the edge a little bit, and just that kind of like slow paced grind. So I've always been, I guess like content, bro, with being independent and watching it grow slowly and just every year is something new, whether it's the strains, getting more strains, or it's the store and people coming out to the store. I just see like if you just slowly keep pushing at something, shit will just keep unfolding, you know? I was going to say like um, everyone has their own uh, successes and always we look at this music industry and it's so superficial, right? It's like mm -hmm. people will look at you and be like, ah, man, like, well, you ain't you ain't doing what this person's doing and this person's doing. But I think su success for everyone and, and, and happiness is subjective. Or, you know absolutely. what I'm saying? For a fact. And if you think about it, a lot of the stuff with some of these, you know, some artists that are signed, you know, it don't when the curtain closes, it, it it look a lot different backstage than it looks in front of stage. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? So it's it's like whatever you feel comfortable with. Do you always? You, sometimes those people don't have the right control. Some they a lot of times they don't have the money. You know, you taking money, you owe people a lot of money. You know, the stakes are higher. You know, so everybody's in your business trying to 
tell you what to do and what not to do. And it just depends on how you want to do this music thing. You know, the cool shit is like you able to do it. It's big enough. The pool is big enough for people to do it every which way to get to it. And it, at the end of the day, you know, it's your legacy you leaving behind and how many people you're going to have involved with it. Yeah, Demerick, like you, you've been around some of the more legendary, uh, I mean, obviously Cypress Hill, you know, exhibit, serial killer shit, um, Dizzy, and and, and uh, shout out DJ Hoppa too, man. I feel like every time I see Dizzy, I usually see DJ Hoppa. Right. Yes, sir. <laughs> shout, shout out to out. Hoppa, man. Yes, sir. He just put a new album out too, uh, Hoppa and Friends Part 2, so go support that, man. That's the homie right there. But um, what what, I mean, shit, you were just telling me like, Serial Killers Force coming? Yeah, fourth project, man, with, with dudes that I, you know, shout out Exhibit and Be Real. It's like I just remember wanting to rap for Be Real and just wanting to just get in. I was hoping that maybe I could get into the studio with mm-hmm. them and, and do some songs with them to being on tour with them, to traveling, to even tapping into uh, introducing me to the songwriting or the or the touring and, and all of that type of stuff and then actually being able to, loop it all the way around to being in a group with them and four projects later that's crazy it's crazy well, you said with the four like you uh, dr dre might be touching something on the project i mean you know i, I we'll, we'll let that unfold when it when it unfolds but uh i'll tell you this maybe twisting some knobs you know we, we, we <laughs> shall we shall we shall see but uh but shit shout out Buster rhymes he on there shout out uh snoop he on there and dj quicks on the record you know and obviously dj quick it, that's big it's crazy for me, you know, it's like get, being on a be, even just being on a record with Snoop and Quick oh, yeah, and, yeah, and Buster. I'm like, damn, I'm ready. You know, I'm saying I'm going bar to bar with Buster Bus. You know, if it feels good, you know. One of my favorite guest verses that, or guest songs you ever were. You were on the Faded record with Burner and Be Real, right? No, I was on. Uh, I was on. I wasn't on that one. No, you were on another one on that same album, though. Uh, was it Patron? Per, Xanax, Patron? Yeah, yeah Xanax, I was going to say Perks and Patron. Yeah. Xanax and Patron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, but like, what are some things that you've learned from being around Be Real, being around Exhibit? Because a lot of people don't know, man, Exhibit's like, a lot of people be like, Yo, what happened to Exhibit? But like, Exhibit is a boss on some other oh, shit. Yeah. He got his alcohol shit and his weed shit is out of here. Like, yeah. And he definitely did the movies and the television. Of course. And, and just Shout kinda... out to Triple X, whatever Triple X he was in. Was yeah, it Normalized you know, Cube, State of the Union? I definitely learned a lot from him just on how to, like, move through the game and just got to be confident and in, in getting to it. And he, you know, both him and be real also taught me about diversifying and having multiple different things. And even dizzy dizzy's know? killing it by the way. We're going to get to the goddamn, the, the dizzy OG. Yeah. Well, shit, you know, I shout out, shout out Gasco. Cause I got uh Demerick's gas lotto and Demerick's Mac tonight and uh Kushko. We got Stony point with Hoppa selling in the stores in Vegas. So it's like diversifying and tapping into these different, uh, just these different markets that are natural to what you do. What you mm-hmm. do is it's a big part of it. It's like I've been doing this shit already for a long time, so it's just about doing it on on the next level and and trying to make sure that now you're putting a stamp on it so that other people could try what you think is fire. Yeah, know? I wanted uh, Dizzy. I wanted you to kind of give me some insight on like on the on the weed side of shit, <clears> right? Because you got your your strain that's doing really well. Um, I feel like I see a. a a lot of dispensaries. Um, I know it's in AZ. I know it's, I mean, it's everywhere. Um, what, cause I don't think a lot of people understand how the weed shit works like legally yet. 
still it's still kind of like wait what like so for you is it like they're licensing your name is it another company you're working with like how hands-on are you with the strain and 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 the actual brand and the actual weeders because you know a lot of times people will just like license your likeliness for whatever the fuck right yeah. is that is it like what what is that it's similar to that yeah it's pretty much like that where they're licensing my name and my face pretty much but back in uh 2000 i think it was uh 13 or 14 um i was hands on deck with like helping create the strain mm. you know finding the right strain they were crossing a lot of different strains to try to find what would be the dizzy og so um Shout out to Crown Genetics because the Crown OG and the King Louie is the cross that we use to get Dizzy OG. And it's been that way ever since, you know. Uh, we knew back then that the weed was futuristic, you know. It, it felt like it was just strong as fuck, potent, and it was like the next level of weed. So we knew that it would, it would, um, it would live for a long time. So Dizzy OG, yeah, it's been doing um, really great. Um, and now we got the cookies. Now we're doing Dizzy Cookies. Okay. Where it's my first strain of cookies. Uh, so we tapping into something like that um, around here, starting in California. So I'm excited, man. Just taking it a day at a time, not moving too fast, you know, and really trying to build the brand, you know. My face is on it. like Your face is on it. You know, being able to walk in the dispensary and see my smiling face, man, I'm like, I'm going to push this shit to the death. For sure, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? So it's been cool. Um for a lot of fans don't know behind the scenes i don't know where you're at with this situation but i had a conversation with dame and him and hobson are back kosher yeah they're back talking there might be something happening between them two um not necessarily music but something um which i never thought would ever happen yeah me and you i mean obviously you're really close to the situation but you know i mean you guys are my guys and dame's you know i've had a good relationship with dame for a long time and i thought that that was like when he called me and told me that they were called, I was like, you're for real? The fuck? Now, I had asked him, like, so does this mean the gang is getting back together? Right. <laughs> now, this was like a month ago, and I, and he and he had told me that you and him might have had, like, some weird energy now. I don't know, you and Dame. But, like, what what is that? What is the... Uh, by the way, shout out to Jaren, Jaren for being one of the best people in the world. Um, but what is, like, your interest in getting the crew back together per se you Hobson and Jaron and, and maybe even if it's just a song not even like funk volume coming back or an album like just a record something like that what's your interest in that um I would be uh I would be down I'm not gonna say that my interest is crazy high like it's something that I'm just extremely looking forward to but I would like to see it happen eventually it's crazy because as close as I was to the situation, I disconnected myself so much. You know, when me and Dame kind of had our little falling out and the energy was kind of weird between us, I completely just kind of detached myself from all thoughts of moving forward in any kind of direction with like funk volume. With that old shit. Yeah. yeah, with the old shit. I was trying to figure out, I kind of felt like it put me in a funk a little bit because the fans were kind of like, you know, I had never did nothing to have the fans you know, on my page or coming at me with so much negative energy, this was kind of, this kind of happened after the breakup. So it was kind of all... Like, I didn't do nothing wrong. Yeah, it was all kind of new for me, right. you know, new energy. So I had to figure out how to shake that and, like, do my own thing. But um, I absolutely don't know the details about 
um, Dame and Hop right now. Like, I was supposed to actually... I was going to get with Dame a couple weeks ago in Vegas, and we weren't able to make it happen, but... He's probably stuck at a craps table. Probably. <laughs> that man is a gambling man. Oh, yeah. He gets his money. You yes. know what I'm saying? But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I definitely think that it's a... I think it's a beautiful thing to see Hop step into his own. You know, I know that he's been doing some soul searching. He's been traveling. And um, I really wanted that for him as a homie, even back when we were on the same label together. So, you know, if if he was able to, like, tap into some some higher energies to make him, you know, see things a little differently and feel better about himself, like, I'm, I'm, off, I'm all about getting around that type of energy. And you and him had recently kind of, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you and him had kind of recently had a... Uh, a resurgence in your friendship again as far as communication and like we did getting on the same page again like yeah, just kind of communicate like because i feel like there was so much man during that time i remember like that last tour y'all did together i remember like there was just so much weird shit like hops and call it out crooked eye and all the guys and like just putting you and jared like yeah we over here catching strays yeah. <laughs> you know Facts, but facts. like I, I, heard, I had heard that you guys had kind of reconnected recently and like just kind of, I guess, came to a good place more recently. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. There were some things that I didn't know about the fallout that wasn't made really clear to me that um, I found out maybe two years later. I hadn't talked to Hobson in like two or three years or some shit like that. And then I finally hit him and asked him a question. And um, from there... You know, I had realized that there was it was ex- some extreme miscommunication when when Funk Volume was like falling apart. So we was able to kind of hash things out from there. And then um, last year, um, I did go pop up on him. Well, he actually popped up on me in a Lambo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm on my tour bus, but my boy popped up in a Lambo. So I was just super proud of him. And we was able to just, you know get on good terms and uh you never know man you never know the fans might get something is it kind of like a gift and a curse having fans like that oh for sure because it's like like you said it's like yo they're hitting like like i feel like like those kind of fans like you know shout out to strange music or like like those kind of fans are so crazy yeah i tried to shift away from those kind of fans actually i kind of let them uh weary themselves out of the dizzy right vibes you know if that wasn't what they was into because it's like i'm not like a ah fuck all the other rappers but we fuck with you you know type of dude like i don't want those kind of fans i want fans that are real like like music enjoy music and know how to pick the shit they like and know how to stay away from the shit that they don't like but i i don't want to be a part of like ah fuck this person fuck this person but you the goat you know what i mean it was just but then again you can't you can't control how people think and you can't control what kind of fans you have. So you got to kind of roll with the punches. It's just a learning experience. That's fair, man. Um, you guys uh, together, this new project, you guys just dropped a video yesterday? We did. Day before yesterday? Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, has it no. been hard, like, pushing, like, obviously putting a new album out, not being able to do the, the normal shit you would do? Like, has it been hard to, like, put push this project the way you want to? Obviously, you guys fuck with us. Look at me fucking with your mic, man. We're in cl- close proximity. This is a first interview with multiple, with three people. So excuse us. But um, I mean, even like shooting videos and shit. Like I remember, like March, April, like motherfuckers would get frowned upon if they're doing a video shoot. Like you're a selfish 
motherfucker. I, I told this, I told this <laughs> nigga Derek, we was looking at the situation. Um, you know, I'm in Vegas and like we got this project and we had this whole plan put in place, you know, when we were going to start shooting videos and how we were going to roll it out and what we were going to do, how we were going to get the fans involved, all this shit, you know, and then the pandemic happened and I was kind of like, I don't know if it's the right thing to do to come and shoot a video. And then, you know, we had to kind of figure out like, do we let this time consume us? And then we like, you know, then sitting in a couple of weeks kind of looking like, damn, I wish we would have shot that video at least so we could have something to promote, you know, instead of like not having anything. So we end up pushing through it, but it was weird. It was definitely weird. Fucking weird. And if you, if you even see the, the all night video or the, the, we ain't the same, like there's not a lot of people, there's no extra people in the video. You know, it was very small set. We shot with one director, Matt Alonzo. And, uh, you know, we, we, first one, we, we rely heavily on the concept of like playing these characters and kind of having fun with it. And then the second one was a lot of graphics. So we made sure that, you know, because at that time, nobody was even trying to book out a spot or yeah. that's this thing. So it yeah. was like, you know, we had to maneuver to try to make it happen. And it's been, it's been getting more safe. laxed lately, I feel. Yeah, it's kind of getting into, I see people kind of maneuvering a little more. But yeah, a couple of months ago, we you already know. How was the, you just did a show in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know what the, by the way, shout out Oklahoma, great weed state now. Yes, a lot of is. dispensaries there. Uh, yeah. I went there to do a weed show. Actually. I was going to ask you, like, what was that like doing a show during these times? Was it like social distancing? Like, Yeah, it was. And I was a little nervous at first. But, you know, they made it very clear that, you know, I can. They had a spot for me that was kind of away from everybody. And mm -hmm. I didn't have to do um, some of the obligations that I had agreed to originally before when the pandemic, the deal, yeah. like the meet and greet right. kind of like sitting down and judging some of the shit you know some of the things that i just naturally would go do at the weed events um it ended up just be it just ended up being me and hopper and my boy peanut popping up and um you know kind of just staying ducked off in the room jumping on stage and doing the show but i will say this like the show for me um personally felt really good because i'm like i hadn't been on stage just and Probably therapeutic, wild. right? Yeah, it oh, was yeah. super therapeutic, bro. I damn near didn't like I like I was supposed to do a 30 minute set. I think I did 45 just off the shrimp because I was just like having a great time on stage. And I just realized how much I really like being on stage. So, you know, they were kind of far back and like they had them all social distance and like, you know, people were it's a weed event, so you know, people were stoned and kind of just staring, but I was on stage like, you know, like I was at a festival because it, right. it had just been so long. Hey, when this shit, when this concert shit come back around and we could tour again, man, shit, whoever at them first couple of shows, they're going to be in for a treat because people going to be going crazy. They're going to be going for a Are you guys concerts. worried about like, because, uh, you know, Live Nation announced that um, they're going to cut artist pay next year. Are, are you guys like prepared to like make less money from promoters or, or maybe because I feel like at the very least, uh, a lot of venues are going to close. Right. And a lot of promoters are, are going to like. I don't know how many are going to survive, especially like the smaller promoters. And then I don't know how long it's going to take for people to be super comfortable. Like, fuck it, I'm going to pull up to a show. You know what I'm saying? Even when shit is quote unquote back, do you guys think like that might affect like 
either a like the bag that you guys are going to get or just the structure of the bag like hey if it sells out you guys get a bonus i know that those already exist but like yeah even more so that than like usual that's why that's why it's kind of like that balancing you know the shit is good for your soul exactly and then the shit that's like for the, for the bag you know like if you a nigga like me that like thrives off of um the fans energy mm -hmm. you know being able to get on stage and get off stage and then fuck with the fans is everything for me you know that's how i keep going that's how i keep pumping out the music but you put the battery in your because i'm yeah. inspired by mm -hmm. just the everyday struggle the everyday life people that's just inspired that's coming out to just all come to one place for the same thing so i feel i kind of need that for my spirit i found myself kind of like feeling a little lost at the beginning of this because i was just like damn i'm not used to dropping a project and just being behind the keyboard the whole time yeah exactly you know, it's extremely difficult for me and like my store was shut down you know and i'm just like this is just didn't feel right you know what i'm saying so it's really i think once them shows come back you know if long as you can make some money where you can walk away with some money and you're not losing money it's a dub to me push your shit yeah it's a dub. fans again sell some merch that's it that's it. And I look at it like even with dropping blaze with us too, is like we see the numbers and we like, okay, and we you see the comments of people saying that they fucking with the music, but nothing's like going to that concert or going to that show or really meeting those people and seeing how much the music is inspiring them or seeing them sing that the like lyrics. That's how you know. Like, oh, yeah, you like, oh, this shit, right. this shit hit. I in Tulsa knows every word of a project I just dropped. Right, that yeah. part, for like, real. Like, damn, I, I'm doing this for a reason. Yeah, that shit will keep you going. Yeah. And then, like, getting fan paintings and shit. Yeah. And oh, yeah. And I take them all home and hang them up. I keep them. All this shit. I be, yeah. I cherish that shit. What was, uh, Dizzy, you toured with Tech 9 uh, a couple years ago? I did. I did. And uh, that's its own kind of world, right? The strange, <laughs> yeah, strange yeah. music thing. And then yeah. also just touring there, like, with them, like, the rules are crazy. Like, the bus rules and they be finding motherfuckers. Like, Travis don't play. Oh, yeah. Um... Like I know a lot of people who have either just quit those tours or gotten kicked off the tours, and yeah, um, how, how how was that experience touring with Tech Nine and and just getting getting into that world, and then also kind of just dealing with all the strange music shit, man. It was like inspiring, but it was also extremely tough. You know, you can't smoke on the bus, right? Yeah, you can't smoke. The smoking on the bus isn't what bothered me. Uh, I think it's the Going to venues that I went to by myself that, you know, they have they have rooms for me to smoke in. You know, they got ducked off areas for me to be. You know, they know. They like Dizzy coming. We got to make sure that we got a fan upstairs mm -hmm. and we open the windows and let them be, you know, upstairs and away from everybody. And, like, you know, some of those places we were coming to that had, like, those setups for me, uh, Strange Music was shutting it down. And that shit was eating at my spirit a little bit because, you know, I I thrive off not having no weed problems. I know I talk a lot about weed and shit, right. but I, it's not cool to get in trouble for this shit. Oh, you know, no. you got to be smart. You got to move smart. And I, I, you know, I dropped the album, my first album on 420 in 2012. And I ain't never had a problem, never had a run in with the police about weed. Not once, you know, in my whole career. We not going to what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I ain't, I'm not bragging going. or like showing off. Right. I'm just 
just trying to make it uh, apparent like on how serious it is you know and especially and like, in some of those random markets you be yeah, in and what yeah. i install in my team you know because it's not just me like i ain't never had nobody on the road with me get into no weed trouble you know like personally somebody that i brought nah nigga we all on the same page you know what i'm saying for years so being on the road with strange music and having doing this for so long and always finding a way to stay out of the way i felt like they kind of you know, they don't want you smoking in the venue. They don't want you smoking backstage. They don't want you smoking on the bus. They don't want you smoking in the hotel. So it's like, where do you want me to smoke? You want me to go outside in front of... And then you might get in trouble. The fans, in front of people, in front of businesses. It felt more like I was being put in danger, kind of, like, instead of being ducked off normally. You know, and I had, I, I called Travis and trip with him about this shit because I'm like, man, Travis, I'm feeling like, you know, you, you niggas putting us in, like, dangerous situations he just like you know the rules <laughs> it's just like yo was that like, the toughest tour to be on oh very it, very much so um very much so uh i was inspired by tech you know and just what he was able to build you know i'm just so inspired by you know him and what he was able to do and how he's able to get up there and the show he's able to put on and the do choreography the every single city yeah, yeah man yeah he, he's really inspiring and he don't complain he he loves what he do he like it's it's not like you know he's not depressed he's not you know complaining he's not drunk wilding out he's just tech you know he's working out he's fucking but you know, shit. I feel the same way. I feel like I'm I'm an easy person to work with. You know, I just need to be able to you know do my little smoke thing when I need to do my little smoke thing, and you know maybe not blow it down on the bus where it might bring some extra attention to other people. But you know, when you at these shows, you definitely want to be comfortable, especially before you get on stage. Exactly. So it was inspiring, but it was also extremely tough for me. I can imagine. Um, hey, bro. That honestly, that's the thing. That's like. We live in we live in LA and Vegas. People and shit forget where it's like, legal, like and you know what I'm saying. And like when we traveling and shit like that, you get some places and and you see how that actual state really frowns on this shit. And then imagine not being able to smoke in the venue where you tucked away. Like anything could happen to you out there in the streets if if you're in one of those states. And it's a shame because six hours away, you you're good. Six hours away, you good. And then six hours here, you you like oh. You know, so much is on the line. And so I'm like, they don't even allow smoking outside in some of the places where they kind of wanted us to just kind of smoke outside. Yeah. You know, it's not my thing. You know, I I, I try to do well with kind of stand ducked off and out the way. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to be blowing it down all in everybody's face and things like that. You know, so. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Strange Music runs their shit the way they want to run their shit. And it works. And they've been successful. And they run it that way so they can keep law and order and what they got going. And you got to respect that if you want to be a part of that. I went to be a part of their shit. It was they. I mean, you signed up for it, you know. I signed up for. Now, don't get me wrong. I was told that I could do my smoke thing. Ah. Now, now I, I I agreed to not smoke on the bus. You know, the I don't know if different. I would have. I don't know if I would have signed up to not for it to be for me to be me and my team to be put in those kind of situations. Cause you know, nigga, it was raining and snowing and like, all type smoke? of shit. And they're like, "Yo, I'm gonna get fined if I smoke in the spot that they that the did venue you, did says." Did you resort to edibles? 
I didn't. I didn't. Cause on then the, you might not be able to perform. Right. Right. So <laughs> edibles is a like a dangerous. I'm a. I like edibles when I'm getting ready to go to sleep. Yep. You know. So when I'm operating during the day, you know, I just need to puff it down a little bit. I was just kind of like stressed out more than I'm normally stressed out on the road. You know what I'm saying? So other than that, it was all love. Um, I feel like uh, a natural thing that you and Burner have a great chemistry on records. Uh, both of you guys actually. Um, I'm curious, like, Burns known to drop just hella collab projects. I mean, he just put out shit with Currency this year and another Be Real project. Like, he's, would, ha, ha, with either of you guys, has there ever been a discussion of doing, like, a full release with Burner? I haven't personally talked to Burner about doing a full release. I talked to him about uh, maybe, like, executive producing, because he his beat selection is... Solid. Shout out to Cosmo. Yeah, Cosmo, yeah. That's my uh, guy. Sacramento the beat selection is wild. So I'm like, Burn, just pick the beats for me. Yeah, I mean, I'll go in on some of these because he always he always sets the, the the vibe on on his uh on his records. The mute the music is songs are dope full in it in its entirety. Uh but his beat selection is like I feel like it's top level. Do you got like Dizzy, obviously Burn is somebody who's kind of Another independent juggernaut, right? Another weed juggernaut. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Do you um, do you kind of get inspired seeing like some of the moves Burner does? Oh, like a motherfucker, man! Fuck, man, that oh, guy yeah. is killing it. I love it, man. Um, for a long time, though, you know. No, you guys. I mean, he was on the Warner album. Like, you guys have worked together for a while. Yeah, it wasn't, this it wasn't like recently. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, I've been inspired by Burner for for a long time, but. Just some of the boss moves that he making right now. It's just like, you know, I'm just waiting for him to write the book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I got the complete pieces that I need. Because I just, you know, when you got that much game, you know, hopefully he feels generous enough to just dish it out so we could all get that kind of money. But I, I'm very inspired by him. And I am and I just hope he keeps continues to keep the right people around him so he can stay he inspired. He will, man. Yeah. He's got a very short, small circle. Would you ever do a, uh, I think it's it'd be natural for you to do a, a Dizzy Wright or it's still moving dispensary in Vegas. Oh, yeah, Is absolutely. That- I would love to grow into that, man. That's a, you know me, I'm thinking that big for sure. They just got to, you just find one of the ones that's out there struggling and be like, yo, look, I'll just license the name. Mm-hmm. I'll show up, cut the ribbon. That's it. Yeah, because I feel like, man, that shit would be, if you have the fucking, Dizzy Bright Dispensary, that's a destination in, in Come Vegas. On. Come you know on. What I'm Put saying? it in the air. Put it, it. That's it. Idea out there now. Let's yeah, go. for sure. Is it uh how much you 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 guys pay for weed anymore? Either of yeah, you? Yeah, sometimes. We still gotta, you know, I'm gonna switch some flavors up. You know, we get the pack, you know, but if you just wanna smoke on the packs that you get all the time, that's cool. But sometimes, you know, you wanna switch them flavors up a little bit able to do that you might have to you know dish a little out especially right now because there's so many different strains and dropping all the time there's always something a new cross or something new on the on the cookie menu or over there dr Greenham. yeah i don't like not knowing the fire that's out there. yeah exactly i like being a part of all of it do you guys uh so the, the next thing i know that's supposed to get legalized i know in san francisco mushrooms are legalized and i know that like the idea of microdosing mushrooms has become more of like a um, an accepted thing amongst like 
Yeah, they tell the it it's like it, it'll make, right. make you I know get the guy the from Shark Tank like, that. like invested in a big mushroom company. Uh, do you guys dabble in the mushroom game at all? The psychedelics? I, I don't personally. I actually ain't never dabbled into nothing but weed. Weed, you know. I'm I'm a scary ass nigga when it comes to that shit. You wouldn't do mushrooms? It's from the earth. I know. It's not people, okay. I know. People always tell me that. Um maybe. But shit, I, I don't have no desire to or anything like that. Some people just it's like, oh, it'll make you get through your day better, or maybe it'll make you look at things a little differently. And I'm like, shit, I Right now, I, I like, like the way, the way I look, I look at things. things. Yeah, you know what I'm what saying. About you, what about you, Demerick? I've done I've done shrooms twice, and I had one great experience, and I've had one not so good experience. So I'm all, I'm like I'm. What was I'm, what happened with the not, not so good experience? <laughs> well, I just had a I had a, just a, a piece of chocolate. And I didn't know how much it was. <laughs> oh, and then. Uh, I just was watching a movie and it felt like the person in the movie. Oh, was tell him the person though. Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> oh, was yelling at me, and it tripped me out, man, big time. And I, I was I was in Philadelphia and it, and it was winter, and you're in a row you're in a row home in there, so you can't really get out nowhere. And that's the first time. And uh, yeah, they, you know, homies had to sit me down, you yeah, relax, give me some water, tell me yeah, it's all in my head type shit. And then I was like. I'm not going to judge it off of that experience because. Uh, so Samuel Jackson was like coming out the TV on you. Hey, motherfucker, what's up? <laughs> Say motherfucker one more time. I'm like, damn, what's Gee, up, man? What, which what's Samuel Jackson here? movie were you watching? Because that also might be like. I forget the snakes I, on a plane. Yeah, some one of them ones. And right, uh, <laughs> where he felt like he was talking to like, him. Shit. <laughs> yeah, black snake moan. I don't know, man. He's got some that I'm, I can imagine were way more intense if you're on shrooms. But I realized though that. You got to be able to be uh, around a situation where you can move freely and it's good to, you know, do it in like outside in nature and shit like that and really enjoy the full spectrum of the situation. So I went back and redid the experience. And, and so, it was better? Yeah, it was way better, man. I'm like, but it's still, I realize you got to be able to like, you know, people who like it, to have control over a lot of shit. Probably not going to like psychedelics, in my opinion, because you don't got no fucking control over that. You know, your mind start going where it's going and you, you just kinda gotta, gotta go with it. Hit the button and just go. If with you the panic, ride. you'll get a bad trip or some shit like yeah. that. And that's what that's what always made me like. I feel like I'd be one of them niggas that'll start panicking. Like, and I don't want to take no motherfucking chances, so I don't do shit. Have you ever had a bad like edible experience? I had. I actually had like a bad like bung rip experience like oh wow yeah like i had too much just trying to hit one of them big ass bongs trying to just be the biggest stoner i can be at the time and i must have cleared like shit, i'm that. dizzy right yeah i must have cleared that bitch and you know i i just you know this was back in the funk volume days like hobson and swizz was wearing those contacts yeah that shit was just too much for me. And then I remember Hobson took one of the contacts out and was like, Fuck it with you. I look like a devil or some shit. And I was like, Oh, nigga, hell no. I need to go to sleep and wake up and start over again. Like, I was tried. The highest to, you ever been? It was the highest that I ever been. What about, what about you, Denmark? What's the highest you ever the been? The highest I ever been was, was last uh, November in Europe. Uh, exhibit always like, he likes to put a, a block of hash and cut a Snickers bar open and put the block of hash in there and then 
close it up and, and eat, eat it eat it oh shit and so for all these years of traveling with him i never i never uh i never tried it and so we were all a shout out problem he was out there we was all out Why? there and i said i said fuck it you know this this time i'm about to do it and so i took a piece of the snickers and i ate it and uh I got That's back to my hotel crazy. room and I started to feel my body. I started to feel myself like lift above my body. That's what happened to me. And uh, you know, and then I just I just laid there and just let it let it happen. Eventually, fall asleep. But I I was on some next level. Uh, yeah, man, put that put that hash so in that Snickers eats, and eat it. Exhibit eats that normally. Well, I'm saying like on a day off, like let's say we do six, seven Yo, shows in a row, and it's a day off, and he's like he's like fuck it, you know, he's hey, I'm champ. about to make the Snickers with the hash in it. Who wants a piece? Typically, I I would always be like, nah, I'm cool, you know. Did but you I, feel like you had superpowers at all when you had the edible like that? Because like I had an edible once, and uh, it was a really rough night for me. It was a Ritz and Yellow Wolf concert, and I felt like I could hear everybody talking in the concert. I could like hone in in like there was like two thousand people in this venue. You know, maybe maybe like a thousand. In on one conversation. I'd be on the other side of the venue and I like look at in the middle of a concert, just look at somebody on the other side of the <laughs> building and hear exactly what they're saying. Yeah, you, oh yeah, you was tripping. You was tripping. I don't know if you I was, was tripping though. No, you was I felt like it opened up some shit. <laughs> I felt like I was like, yo. I couldn't move my legs though. Which I remember cool. when I had that hash Snickers, like I was like, "Fuck it, I feel weird." And I'm about to throw on like some YouTube and watch like a little movie or whatever. And slowly but surely, the words stopped. I stopped being able to understand what was being said in the movie. Right, just sounded you. like shit. Just started. Like, what am I even watching? Just cut it off. Edibles are dangerous because you can't like eat. To get it to go away, you know, you gotta like just let the high pass. Ha there's no other choice. Yeah, thug it. You can't like. I tried to get in the shower and wash that shit nope. off. I nah. had to look at myself in the mirror and everything. I was just like, off a bong hit though. Off a bong hit, bro. You are you not a big dabber? I imagine. No, I became a big dabber. This was before dabs was dabs. You know, niggas yeah. wasn't dabbing yet when I did this. Uh, and this was actually in Minneapolis. I had first got with. Shout out to Prince. With the funk volume niggas. And it was like my first time going out there. Mm. And like Dame kind of had me running around watching what Hobson was doing. You know, as far as meet and greets. Skating. Like, <laughs> right. Yo, listen, exactly. you're going to go play skate with fans. Dizzy, you don't know how to skate? <laughs> Figure out how to skate. <laughs> you're just going to go show up at a fan's house and play him in skate. Oh, uh. facts. Facts, bro. But I remember I, I just started making my little fans. You know what I'm saying? And... I went to go smoke with one of my fans and filled the bong up and tried to hit that big ass bong and was fucked up. Whole world tilted sideways. Jesus. So I don't like being that high. Um, how was the experience of you guys doing the uh the album uh, a, a couple of years ago with uh Audio Push and uh Jaren, everybody was in the house together. You're the only one who didn't show up to freestyle, by the way. Everyone came to the radio station but you. Blame, blame Dame. Blame Dame. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, if Dame doesn't make some merch that just says blame Dame, he's uh, tripping. But but uh, how was that experience? Because that obviously, I can imagine, uh, I mean, it could, I feel like staying in Austin in the recording process was, was great. Yeah. I mean, all you guys are boys. Audio yeah. pushed the great yeah. guys. Shout out to Pricehead, yeah. Octane, and It Jared. was great. When we all went out there, we originally... Emilio were, Rojas was there too, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. We was originally going to get in the studio, and then the studio didn't allow smoking. So we all brought studios. So we just set our studios up at the crib, 
Yeah. Just kind of turned it into like a little musical trap house, you know. And we nice. we were there for the whole week and just feeding off each other energy from sun up to sundown. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it was dope. Then we like we were loving the record so much that we started going out and shooting videos and stuff like that, and like really adding to it. It's very similar to what J Cole did some years later with, with the Dreamville Project. Yeah, where he just invited a bunch of people. Yeah, when I seen that, I was like, damn, we essentially. Did something like that, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But um, the rollout and when when it came time, just things kind of went left field. Like me and Dame had a falling out, and then I, I wasn't a part of the freestyles, and I wasn't a part of a bunch of different shit. And I think it took a lot of uh, momentum away from what we were doing. But as far as building it up to get it where it was, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, the creation part of it, just even tapping in with. With people, you know, somebody producing right there, another person coming up with a chorus, and then the other room people working on a song, and that yeah, some people did still go to the studio too on the mic, man. So yeah. I can only imagine like the like the friendly competition. Oh yeah, had to level up every time. It's gonna be like what what you got? Oh yeah, oh you had you had the hardest verse yesterday, so that means today I gotta had the hardest verse. <laughs> you <laughs> For know, real. niggas was in there, we was doing it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you had mentioned earlier that you you were. Had attempted to meet up with Dame a couple of weeks ago. What was the? Because obviously you had stuck. You kind of stuck with Dame after the funk volume thing. What was the? Um, like what was y'all's issue that made you know made that kind of split? Because I remember he stopped fucking with you and then was with Futuristic for a little bit and yeah. then he's doing his entrepreneur music club thing. But like what what had happened between you two? Obviously it's better now. I'm assuming, or at least on the way to being better. Yeah, yeah, it's on the way to being better. It's definitely. I definitely don't got no um, no hard feelings for Dame or nothing like that. Um, I guess, bro, I feel like I was the one to kind of ride with Dame. Definitely. And then, um, you know, finding out that, uh, Hobson wasn't making any money off of Dizzy, right? Was kind of like the big bang for me because, you know, Hobson made it seem like there was money problems, but he never said that he wasn't making a dollar from Dizzy, right? You know, I'm on Hobson's label, and I respected Hobson so much, and I respected him so much, and, and I was very appreciative for him allowing me to come out and do those shows with him and right. get my feet wet as an artist, you know? I just wanted to get out of Vegas, bro. You know, we was just yeah. out there all kind of doing the Vegas same thing. Vegas is like a little bubble, I feel like. It's hard to get out of it. It's hard to get out of it, and, and not only that, it's hard to get with an artist that has, like, fans and a platform for you to travel the world right. without it being, like, a major artist or, like, having to have, like, some crazy stipulations to it. So I felt like he kind of opened up his platform to me with open arms, you know? And um, finding out that he wasn't a part of the come up with, with me financially, you know, um, that he was pieced out of that uh it, it just changed me and dame's relationship for, forever because i thought dame was the fairest nigga in the world you know but i didn't know the logistics on the problem and that's why me and hobson had to have a conversation because i had to call him like bro did you ever make any money he was like no nah, and that's my fault i should have told you and i'm like you let three years go by, nigga, with me running around with this nigga, and you didn't let me know, thinking that this nigga was the fairest nigga in the world. Um, and it kind of blew my mind when I, you know, I had to just ask Dame, like, was Hobson cut out? And just like, yeah, you know, because he pretty much felt responsible for 
for finding me and giving me the opportunities, even though it was Hobson's platform we was using. So I just felt some type of way about that shit, and I wanted to, like, um, separate myself from that. What I didn't do is I didn't say anything. to, and I didn't, like, make it a big thing. I didn't get on my hops and shit and jump and online and, and be like, yo, and... fuck this nigga, dang. Right. I'm not fucking with him no more. I just... Stop fucking with him and right, start doing noted, my thing. I'm going to move accordingly now. Word. But a lot of people felt like Dame was still in um, my corner, kind of helping me out. And I seen the fans responding to a lot of things, thinking that Dame was the one moving with me when I was moving by myself for so long. So um, I just felt like the best way to get out of that was to just keep working. You know, just keep working and keep doing things for myself. But uh yeah, it was a tricky little situation. Was that was that the same? I mean, I I don't know if you know this or not because I'm not trying to. But was it was that a similar situation with Jaron? You think where like did you know if Hobson saw anything off of Jaron? I don't know. I don't know to be honest. Um, I always thought we all had similar deals, and right. that's why I always thought it was fair. And I I just thought that what was fair, Hobson didn't think that was fair anymore. So that That's was fair. always... I mean, and hey, from his perspective, totally. Right, from his perspective, totally. Because he deserved to have a team behind him instead of just one person. So I completely understand paying one person for what a team could be doing and getting one person's results instead of a team results could make you feel like that. Mm. So uh, I, I definitely I definitely just learned a lot from that shit, bro. And then going into doing Still Moving uh, Records, my own label and shit like that, at first, I was going to do it with Dame, and then um, I just learned more about the business. And as I was learning about the business, and I don't want to like make it seem like I'm throwing Dame under the bus because right, right, right. we're past this, right. and um, and I feel like you live and you learn, right? For sure. Like um, I have no hard feelings or anything. But at the time, oh yeah, I was salty than a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Because I felt like I had rolled with somebody. And I didn't know the full truth. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to feel about that. Damn. Yeah, that's crazy. Shout out to, I mean, I, like I said, I'm just happy that at the end of the day, like, there's some sort of roadmap to everyone just talking again, I guess. Yeah. You I think I mean? everybody everybody could have did better and everybody still can do better. So you never know where it could go. All right. So the album is out. Uh, go support it. You guys, was this a one-off with Smokers Club? Or are you guys going to be doing more stuff with them? Because I know you guys are obviously, you know, I know you got hella shit coming out, and your album is getting wrapped up, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm about to drop another album. Uh, this, I wouldn't say, wouldn't lock it down as a one-off. You know, shout out to Smokers Club. We feel like they've been um, extremely tapped in with us and supportive to what we got going on. So maybe we can run it back, you know? What about uh, Demrick? I know... With the, the serial killer shit, you have another shout out to yo. Can we announce the Tony Chalk Demrick EP? Let's go, Tony Chalk. Bring your Vietnamese ass on camera real quick. Let's man. go, man. Let's get it, Tony Chalk. I happen to manage Tony Chalk, by the way. Let's shout go. out to Tony. Yes, my sir. Guy. We about to tap in, but uh, yeah. So your album is done or is almost done? It's done. Okay, we mastering it today. Who can you tell us who's going to be on the album? Um. Chevy Woods would be on there. Shout out to Chevy. Shout out to my boy Chevy Woods. Hell of a cook, Chevy Woods. Yeah, he's a chef. For oh, is real. he? Oh my God. Yeah. They have his. Uh, is it what cooking with, with Chevy? Like yeah. He, yeah. He's he's like kind of he, he really be feeling himself. I gotta tap in. It's tough. We'll pull up, man. Your next time you come to the studio, bring some of them homemade dishes. You feel me? Right. That part. Uh, 
so that album's coming out. Any like, do you have like any sort of idea? Um, next month, I'm gonna drop it next September. month. Um, I also got Beans on there. Um, Beans, uh, Aces Girl Beans. Yes, from uh, the Netflix show. From the Netflix, she's show. fire. Yeah, yeah. We just did a video Beans. too, so we got a video um, coming called "Sick of Complaining." I'm excited about that. Like I say, just uh, working with different artists, staying creative, you know, and staying inspired by uh, people's hunger. Demrick, um, when is Serial Killers Four coming out? It's, it'll it'll come. It's called a uh, Summer Sam, so it'll be out uh, sometime next month. We were we still locking in the uh, exact date, but it's for sure coming out uh, in September. What is uh, I know, Demrick, you be doing a lot of writing for a lot of artists. Like when you do that, like is it? Uh, do you ever like like how how do you approach that creatively compared to when you work on your own shit? It's it's really the same process, but I just think kind of like tapping into the the energy that you know the goal that that artist is trying to get accomplished and just trying to more essentially write. Uh, get creative with that person, you know, and kind of just keep that in mind of the direction that they're going to go. But I'm one of those people that I like to make music. I can make a lot of music, hit the studio and just get creative. So if one day it's, a, it's we going down this lane, next day we're doing some stuff for some television and film, or if I'm plotting on something that I want to do, then I, I'm just always putting the plan together, really. Is it still like extremely uh, taboo to like ghostwrite? Or like if you're like a rapper and you have a ghostwriter? I just, I don't know. I don't think so. Just because I just feel like songwriting is songwriting. You know, people get I feel like the Drake thing kind of made it like a little bit more okay, even though he got shit for it at first. But now it's like, yo, fam, Drake's still the biggest rapper in the world. Yeah, because the fans don't. <laughs> they don't give the a fans fuck. made it clear that they don't care. Yeah, and yeah. like low key, if you go back to like Kanye's first album, Rhymefest wrote Jesus Walks. Yeah. And people didn't give a fuck. Then. And a lot of those people be in the room would get creative. You know, there's some people that like to sit in the room by <laughs> themselves and, and they got the whole plan on how to get to A to Z. And then there's other people that like to get creative with people. You know, I'm one of those people that that's why I have a, a lot of projects with different people because, you know, whether it's a producer or different artists and I'll be in groups. And then also, even when I do my solo shit, I kind of like team up with certain people to do it because i like the team effort of of creativity you know it's like i don't think that i ever was you know sitting in there just writing you know writing raps all by myself you know saying i was just going to change the world like that it was something that i always did with my homies that i always did with other creatives and i feel like um it's it's helped me in this industry to you know just be able to hop on some with somebody's team and then also do my own thing and then do like it's you know that's the shit with hopper you know, yeah yeah that's it that's yeah. what oh i love where i love tapping in with a, with a producer and uh kind of working together on a on a vibe and an energy and that's how you get stony point one and two and blaze with us one and blaze with us two and uh serial killers the fourth one and you right. know, remember i came i came from a group so that 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 always has just been in my heart i guess the way i create wait which group did you come from I was I started early in a group called Tangled Thoughts. So we oh, live in Philly and we moved out to LA together and we actually released a Corrupt Presents album with with that group in 2007, bro. So that's how far back it goes. Damn, I didn't you know, know that. So you were like rolling with the corrupt shit back in the day. That was it. That's how I, that's how I even knew to come come out here to LA because we were hitting all the ceilings in in Philly and it just didn't feel just didn't feel real, you know, it didn't feel like we could take it to the next level. So to get the opportunity to come to LA was, that was it. And especially with somebody, you know, at that at that point, Corrupt's already legend. You know, you grew up. Yo, man, let me tell you shit, something. You know? Streets is a mother. 
is one of the most slept on albums of all time. Oh man. That fuck and Roscoe, his brother, yeah, is fucking fire. Yeah, he is. Exactly. Like he could like rap rap. Oh, Both yeah. of them can rap rap, but like I mean obviously, you know, it's just it's it's crazy when you think of corrupt and like how like I always remember on the Eminem show when Eminem like named all those rappers that get put ahead of him, like Corrupt was one of them, Red Man, but I I just I, I guess I wish Corrupt's career would have shooken out a little bit differently. Hey, bro, but if you look at them plaques and them records that he's no, on. No, for like, sure. I'm like, God, damn, like, there was a point in time where he was on everybody's album that, like, so many good and records. And shout out like to he, Corrupt's Moon Rocks. Oh, hello. Those Moon Rocks ain't no joke. And they've Not been booming for a long time. Yeah. Uh, last question, Dizzy, this for you. Uh, Logic just retired to be with his family. Obviously, I know you're a big family guy. Like, could either of you guys ever see uh, yourselves just stepping away from hip-hop? Stop making albums. Just like I'm, I'm done. Uh, I personally can't see it right now. For me, um, just that's why you got to just do things for your soul, man. You got to make sure you know. I was there. I seen Logic's whole. You know, I was even on tour with him, and I really just, you know, I watched how he move. I paid attention. I'm an observer. You know, you really gotta. Move at your pace and, and, and make sure you're doing things that's right for your spirit because yeah. you'll get into a position and it'll be overwhelming. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I feel like you'll find yourself needing to step away or take a breather. I don't think Logic's done forever. I think Logic just needs a break from all the the judgment that comes with hip hop. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. been getting mad. You know, and he's been getting it he's for been a couple of years. Shake, man. Every, yeah. I feel like ever since the Everybody album came out and he kind of started to. Talk about his biracial like oh, shit. It's been on People since have then. Been on his head, bro. It's been on. He ain't been getting no slack from there. And it was already tough for him before then. Um, just with the stigma of being like a white rapper, and you know, he's like, he yeah, just, but I'm also I'm like, I'm, I'm biracial, guys. right? But you know, he wants to be known for what he is. So, I, not to get too deep or go too off subject, but I personally can't see myself uh, stepping away right now. I, I want to keep inspiring, and I feel like I'm getting better. Right. Yeah. What about like you, Demrick? Could you ever retire? I don't think so. I'm always going to be involved in this shit in some kind of way. I mean, this is this gave me life, gave me purpose. You right. know, it's like I once I started doing music, I fell in love with it. Then I had a direction in life. Before that, I just was I just was out here. So I think that um, I I can, I could see myself in the same thing. Like I I see myself. I I I gain more fans, more traction. Uh, get more opportunities and understand even my story better about what I want to talk to people about as the years progress. You know, I, I still got the, I wake up every day trying to get behind the mic or, or at least find a play to do with some music that I got going or something. So my mind's in the game, but different levels, you know, shit, you might catch me behind making a beat one day. You never know. Come on. You, I mean, you shit, never man. know. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. Well, look, uh, go get the album. It's out. You guys each got a lot of new music coming out too soon. Any more videos going to be coming out from the project? Or this last one was like, was that the last one? Yeah, don't worry. Yeah. It was like the the last one, the finale. Kind of the bow on the campaign. Yeah, well, we dropped four. So we got we got All Night, We Ain't the Same, Medicated, and now. Um, don't Worry. Don't, don't worry. worry was like the biggest streaming record, right? It was. Yeah. yeah. It was. Boom. Well, yo, go get the project. Thank you guys for checking in. As always, and uh, yeah, man, Demrick, Dizzy Wright, Blue Lake Head Podcast, boom. Peace.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.